Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I am here in the studio today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. Traffic braver. <laughs> Road rager. Somehow, <laughs> somehow she made it into the city even though the president is in town and everything shut down, literally. Um, so today's show, I'm actually really excited about this. We have Me a guest. Too. We have um, Vikas Gupta, who's the CEO and co-founder of... Wonder Workshop, who we had on, we had him on the show a few years ago mm-hmm. when we first started, and they weren't so far along themselves um, <laughs> with the Dash and Dot robot. But we're going to have a conversation about tech and STEM and AI and coding and all the things that parents are worried that maybe their kids should be doing and aren't doing, and how can they do it, and why maybe these kind of quote unquote toys, and I really don't like calling them toys, it's I feel like they really need their own category. It's kind of like a learning tool. I know, but then you don't want don't to say that to your kid that either. Don't kids, yeah. won't use it's it. It's actually like a really tech, it's like a tech, I don't know what the hell, it is. tech we toy, should, should I guess contest to come up with a name. We do, we need a new <laughs> category. <laughs> they call them STEM toys. But that doesn't but sound that doesn't good. Sound but good. then you see the price tag and you feel like it shouldn't be a toy. They are like over, they're over $100, oh, over yeah. 150 yeah, yeah. But these are an investment um, in your child's future, basically. It's like signing them up for a class. It is. It's like signing them up for a coding class. But we're going to have a conversation about um, why maybe these products should be on your holiday list, even if your kids aren't aware of them yet, mm-hmm. um, why you may want to introduce them. And then we will have our Bites of the Week. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Hi, so we are so excited to have on the phone with us today Vika Skupta. He is the CEO and co-founder of Wonder Workshop, one of our favorite, I would say, robotics, STEM, <laughs> coding toys um, and products. I feel like it's so much more than a toy. I hate and calling also one it a of the toy. earlier ones. Very early. Yeah. Um, and we are so excited to talk to you today. I think, you know, one of the big things that we've been talking about the past few weeks on the show and in general in the sort of parenting sphere is this STEM takeover for holiday. Um, and parents are already starting to eye, you know, what's going on this holiday list and the hot holiday lists have come out. And I think people are really interested in how to get their kids working in STEM, but in a fun accessible way so that the parent doesn't have to do so much let's be let's be honest um so hi vikas it's so thank you for joining us today thank you for having me it's it's a delight to be here and we're so excited i mean you you were really one of the first to not just create a really accessible coding and robotics you know toy in dash and dot but also something that was gender neutral Mm-hmm. which I think was one an amazing thing about Dash and Dot was that it just had this cute, <laughs> you know, yeah. sort of touchable um, appeal, and it was never marketed as a boy thing or a girl thing. Can you can you talk a little bit about sort of the that ethos behind Wonder Workshop and, and how it started? Yes. Uh, so we started the company in 2012, and when I started the company, uh, before that, I had uh, taken some time off from a prior job, which was at Google. And I spent uh, quite a bit of time uh, with my daughter, who was pretty young then. Uh, she was less than a year old. And spending the time with her got me thinking a lot more about kids growing up in the 21st century and thinking about 
how um, how strong tech uh, in terms of you know devices like powerful computers, iPads, uh, cloud computing, with which powers now uh, in the form of AI services that are all around us, how that's going to transform our children's lives, and as the the world they're going to grow up and inherit in 20 years from now when they are the adults is going to be vastly different than the world we live in. And the fundamental thing that they need to know is how to decode that world, and it will be all about tech. Um, and that's what became the the uh, driving force behind founding Wonder Workshop, where we want every child to grow up to be the to to have the potential to be the innovator, to be the masters of tomorrow's robots, the architects of tomorrow's robots, and not be mere consumer of the technology around them. And over time, we've seen data which has validated our thesis where we've seen studies from Oxford which predict that uh, by 2050, 40% of today's jobs will not exist. Uh, and at wow. the same time, there are more jobs being created in tech than there are people graduating to fill them. There will be more than a million jobs in the U.S. alone in the next decade uh, than people graduating to fill them. Uh, we're also seeing increase in consumer spending on robotics, where it's projected to go to $135 billion from about $71 billion currently over the next five years. So all of those are data that validates the direction we headed in. And um, as you said, we, back in 2012, and when we founded the company, coding wasn't really a thing. Um, and then, then in 2013, Code.org launched, and that made it a lot more mainstream, or a topic that lot everyone was talking about. We launched a robots in 2013, and since then, they've grown to um, a very large, I would say, a movement in itself. They're used in more than 15,000 schools around the world, uh, mostly a large number of them in the U.S., all elementary schools. Our focus is with Dash and Not has been with elementary schools. Mm -hmm. And we've also been able to bring both girls and boys into the mix. We've created robots that will appeal equally to boys and girls. And that has been a part of our design, our product, our content. Um, we host a robotics competition once a year, and last year we brought together 20,000 kids from 52 different countries, and half of them were girls. And not only that, when we created the platform, the winning team happens to be happened to be a team from rural Michigan, and that was a team of all girls. And what we found is when we created the platform and gave it to kids in the right way, they succeed. They they are the ones who really build it for. That's so, I mean, it's so interesting to me. And let's describe a little bit about, and we'll start with Dash and Dot, on, for parents who aren't familiar, um, mm -hmm. and they hear scary things like coding, and they hear these words, and it freaks them out, or they picture a robot, and they picture, you know, some giant walking, talking you know, thing <laughs> that's going to be interacting with their child. Um, can you describe a little bit about what Dash and Dot, what they look like, and how the coding piece really works? Yes. Um Dash and Dot are designed as robots that appeal to a, everyone's inner child. Uh, Dash and Dot were designed for the, for the youngest amongst us. So they were designed for 6 to 10-year-olds. And we've now launched a robot called Q, which is designed for 11 and older. With the robots, we started to solve a couple of problems. And we believe we've solved them well, which is one of the first, first fundamental thing is when you open the box, everyone, irrespective of your age, will want to play with it. Uh, it shouldn't be intimidating. It should, in fact, be inviting. And when you turn it on, it should engage you with its character, with its personality, with its, the way it interacts with you. And that's true in Dash and Dot, and that's also true in Q. Uh, and that's a fundamental thing that we do is 
the fun and engagement needs to come first. Um, to your point, which is when people think of robots, they think of you know uh, large beings and you know with, with lots of complex interactions. And in our case, it's designed for the children, so they they find it much lot more captivating. They come with a with set of applications on touch devices for dash and dot, like on iPads and I, iPhones and Android tablets and phones, which allow them to explore the depth of robots and robotics with interfaces designed for them. Uh, these interfaces they are age appropriate for the younger kids for dash and dot, and for teenagers and up for uh, for Q. And these experiences are designed with a lot of content, uh, with a lot of tutorials, with a lot of help along the way, so that they get the scaffolding, they get the kind of steps that they, they need to really not only play with the robot well, and also along the way learn a lot. And that's what we've seen drive high success. And one of the things I tell people is, um, you know, we get very high engagement data, which is, you know, typical toys don't get used by kids more than after a week, if even sometimes even after right. a day. In our case, one-third of our audience on the at home is still using our robots a year after having bought them. Wow. And one of the examples I tell people is recently we got a three-star review on Amazon, and the complaint the customer had was after playing with the robot nonstop for 10 months, the robot broke down. Now, they were <laughs> under warranty, so they, they got the robot, a new robot in return. But that's the kind of engagement, that's the kind of bar we set for ourselves, which is at the end of the day, Kids and just about everyone, even we see a lot of parents actually want to spend time with it. Everyone will want to play with it and will want to play with it for a long period of time. And that's what, in the end, will help us also achieve the goal where can we take them to a, uh, to a place of, of learning in some form. I want to ask you about that learning because, you know, I know you talk about the jobs of tomorrow uh, mm -hmm. don't exist today. And, and, and we talk about that a lot. And everyone says kids need to learn to code and i think that i think that for parents you know some parents might say well my kid's not going to go into computer science why do they need to learn to code so yeah. when you're teaching um this to kids is it is it less about coding and more about that thought process like teaching kids to be thoughtful and to try things and to uh to really puzzle things through or is are you really saying that you need to learn to write a line of code um so it's a very good question um the First is for the youngest of kids, our mission is not actually to teach them a programming language. We don't expect that all of these children will grow up to be computer programmers. The important thing that we focus on for the six to 10 year olds is that when they come in and use the product, where they use the, the solve problems, it helps them look at the world differently. And that's the fundamentally important skill they need to have is that when they go out in the world, when they see everything powered by tech, by, by tech, I mean, you can't hail a taxi down. You now you can hail a taxi down, but most more more likely you'll actually be using an app to press a button and and a, and a cab shows up. In that kind of a world, where everything is driven by tech, how do you decode the world? How do you make sense of the world around you? Um, that's the skill we want to give kids, and it comes down to solving problems with that context, helps them helping them think differently helping them decode a, that world and break it down into into chunks that they can actually understand and then build it up again. So it's all about self, having them build up a new way of thinking in this modern-day world, a problem-solving skill, skill, analytical reasoning. That's really the, what they benefit from. And we actually don't focus on a particular programming language uh, that they need to build. And the truth is, irrespective of what job they grow up to take, 
they will need these skills um, in order to be effective at whatever job they do. Right. And I think so. That's really interesting. Let's segue a little bit and talk about Q, because mm-hmm. this is your first um, robot that's for older kids. Mm-hmm. That's the 11 plus. And one of the things it taps into is sort of the other hot trend and buzzword, which is AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, for parents who are only familiar with AI being that the robots now think for themselves and they take over the world and <laughs> we all work for them. Um, this exposure to AI for kids, especially middle school and high schoolers, what made you guys decide to sort of segue into that older kid? Um, and what is, where do you see those skills differing as kids get older? So with our robot Q that we just launched, um, we wanted to take um, hold of um, kind of how do you engage kids um, when kids are, you know, 15-year-old or a 14-year-old, and how much time do they have um, on a daily basis to interact with a robot? So we wanted to create an experience. So that's the first thing we started out with was what is the best way to create an experience that children at that in that age range will actually interact and enjoy playing with the robot over a long period of time. So the experience was needed to be very different than the experience for the younger kids. And as we experimented with that, we wanted essentially to build some sort of a narrative experience into it. We wanted to build an experience where kids themselves are the center of it. And we realized very quickly that um, a text-based conversation is actually a great way for these kids to interact with the robot. Uh, and that could actually humanize the robot a lot more and make um, make them make every child feel really a stronger sense of connection with the robot. So that became the focal point of the experience. And we realized in order to deliver that, we had to build a sort of an AI engine behind it, leverage whatever AI services that come with it. And in that sense, we realized also that you know, when we talk about artificial intelligence, when we and we again think about uh, complex and you know, we, we actually think of very scary things at times that have been said in media. And we also at the same time have devices like Amazon Alexa and Google Home, which are powered by similar kind of uh, AI platforms. What we wanted to do was we really wanted to go beyond just the notion of intelligence and really make it much more humanized, if you will. And so our notion was what, this ty- what we were striving for was making it clever. So in the sense that here is a robot who can actually have a sense of humor. Here is a robot that can actually uh, make sassy comments, which makes it go beyond just trying to be intelligent enough to understand what you're saying and do a task, but actually be clever enough to use that in a conversation in a funny way, to make you laugh, to make you engage, to make you think. And that is where Q delivers, is that it's much more of a clever robot than an intelligent robot. (laughs) And it's all about kind of going beyond just the intelligence. And for us, that's important because it's very easy to get lost in tech. It's very easy to build very uh, intelligent devices because the tech is available there now. But question is, what purpose does it serve? How are we making it humanized or accessible to our audience so they can get some value out of it? And that's where we've been focusing with Q. That's really interesting because I do think that people, you know, I know I have two 15-year-old girls. They are so on their own when it comes <laughs> to their learning. Um, you know, it's not something we'd sit down and do, but it does feel like as they get older 
anything they want to do that has to do with coding or STEM, it gets so complicated or they have to be in a very specific after school club or, you know, class. It's nice to see something that they might be able to do on their own that they would attach to that they would work on um, that's not a super complicated robotics you know project mm -hmm. it's super geeky i mean i love the idea of just a clever robot you know yeah. with sass you know <laughs> well, some with some personality in it yep. it's just fascinating that so many parents see texting as a really impersonal way to communicate with their kids and you're mm -hmm. you're flipping that and making that the way that they bond with their robot i think that's really great because they're all texting all the time anyway that's all they do yeah and <laughs> and the, the funny thing there also is that the no one expects that you will actually text with a robot like, right. like when we first presented it, it's like this weird moment where we break a preconceived notion of what a robot is. The robot isn't supposed to send you messages and, and make funny comments. That's not what a robot does. And so that's part of the reason also is to kind of upend that notion of what robot is and what robots could be in the future and where this world is going. And can we bring that much more to in our living rooms today and so we can actually start thinking about as a family you know this is you know it's not too far off where we could actually be having these conversations with robots and you know what does it mean for our future and how could our kids be set up in a way that they would could be the innovators in the coming years they could be the masters of these and architects of these robots right which is what they're going to have to be right i mean yeah. that that is we don't know what the future is but we know it's not what we're looking at today yeah. so so it has to be pretty much. yeah it's well, always interesting right. to kind of think about those jobs of tomorrow right like where you know especially for someone like you vikas who who you were at google and now you have your own company and you've you've really grown it into something big do you ever kind of sit and think about where we'll be 10 years from now um i think as a company uh, as a where we where we will be with technology. Yeah, I think you said it just now, which I think is really accurate. Is that I don't think any of us, at least definitely not me, uh, are capable of predicting the world where we will be in ten years from now. Uh, what we do know, I think, what we all of us can feel confident about is that, given the pace of change in in with in technology, given the pace at which we are creating data that's being collected and being used to create better intelligence in services we provide, our lives are going to be transformed by tech at an ever-growing pace. I mean, it's sometimes hard to think that 10 years ago, smartphones did not exist. Right. We did not have an iPhone 10 years ago. We just had a 10-year anniversary where they released a new iPhone. And, but our world's been transformed in the last 10 years. We can't now live without these devices in our hands. And if you look at that change, change, the pace at which it's changing, next 10 years, it's, it's all going to be about how that, you know, highly intelligent services that know a lot more about us are going to create a world for us that's all, ever more simpler. And how that's going to simplify or in turn, many pains replace some of the jobs people have uh, today. So when we talk about automation, uh, we talk about uh, self-driving cars. All those things are becoming very real very quickly. And and I think what, um, because we can't really predict what the world will look like, we can't predict 20 years from now when our kids will graduate, what jobs will actually exist. The only thing that, you know, at least as a parent that I want to be able to do is give my kids the kind of foundation, foundational skills that will be relevant, that I believe will are very highly likely to be relevant for them to be growing up in, and be there in 20 years from now. And one of the things we need to do it as a society also is we need to build our, grow our kids to be competitive 
to the rest of the world. Uh, U.S. is only one country among 30 other countries that have announced some kind of a mandate to teach kids coding from first grade onwards. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it because they know that in 20 years from now, if they want to be relevant in creating the innovation platforms for their countries, if they want to be creating an economy that is relevant in 20 years from now, they need to be investing in their workforce today to give those kids the foundational skills. Uh, So it's great to see now uh, you know, President Trump, for example, announced this mandate or announced a source of funding, yeah. which is great to see that it's actually there is some kind of funding for computer science that has come through. Um, so it is, I don't think it's enough, like, given what all the other countries and are, are investing in, but we need to do a lot more. And at the same time, um, we, you know, we need to create products, we need to create platforms, we need to create tools for our kids to really engage with us and go more. And one of the other things we also see is it's already causing disruption in more ways than we realize. So, for example, in our direct space, Toys R Us is going bankrupt mm-hmm. because they didn't see or they, they couldn't accommodate to the innovation that tech is bringing with the change in the smartphones, with changes with the content and changes with Amazon. And similarly, Lego laid off a bunch of people and they're in the same time, they're saying that they need to focus more on uh, digital products, with their products like Lego Boost, which competes with uh, our Wonder Workshops Dash and Dot robots. Mm-hmm. That's where they see the future as well. Yeah. So it's increasingly relevant in our space, in you know the kind of products we build, much more than we realize at times. And that's a great way to tie this up because the great thing about your products is that they teach a method of thinking. So yep. whatever direction everything goes in, the kids are learning a way to think and they can right. apply it to that direction. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the important thing. I think we need to help our kids learn to think differently in the world they're growing up in. Right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation. Um, we're really so happy you could join us today. We'll have links to everything Wonder Workshop <laughs> on, our, <laughs> on our Facebook page and our site. And thank you so much, Vikas, for joining us today. I think it's a really thoughtful and interesting conversation for parents as they look ahead, not just to the holidays. but yeah, Thank you very much for having me. It's been Thanks. a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We are back with our bites of the week. Amy, what yes. you got? Okay, so I've been binging a podcast, and um, the nice thing is it's not very old. So I, I hate it when I find a podcast and there are like 200 episodes and I can never catch <laughs> right. up. This one is catch upable, and it's called The Rewatchables. And each episode is about a movie that you watch over and over and over again. It's not necessarily about the best movies. It's never the best no. movies. Well, sometimes. Like <laughs> sometimes. they did Silence of the Lambs, which... Yeah, I can't watch oh. that over and over. Oh, my God. I can't. I have seen I Silence can't. of the Lambs Plus, every time someone times. says the word lotion, someone has to say the line, I can't. <laughs> that's, but that's that was like a great part of their conversation right. about that movie, the like word. about oh. like the unintentionally funny parts right. of the movie. They've done episodes about Speed, about You've Got Mail, about The Departed. Like, it's, it's, it's great movies. Well, none of those are movies or that I've watched great over movies. and over. <laughs> oh, see, I've seen The Departed so many times. I don't it even think I've seen on. it once. I have to stop That's and watch. so funny. Um, my only complaint is I would like a bit more women. Like when they did You've Got Mail, mm. it was just two women, but that's like the only episode yeah, where there were two too. women. Like yeah. it, it is a well, romantic comedy. Like I don't, know, I don't know a single man who could watch that even once, let alone like no, I can't get my I husband watch to watch when it. When Harry Met Sally, whenever it's on, oh, whenever it's on, I will watch it every time. time. Every no, I had to make my husband watch that on a bet. <laughs> 
Um, I had to watch something horrible that in return. Would be good. I, I mean, I'm always thinking of, oh, what fun movie could I rewatch? Yeah. So no. The, and oh, then once you do, we just watched Private Benjamin oh, with my daughters. Cool. Highly recommend. Oh, totally holds like up. Loved oh, it. Totally great. holds up. And that's another thing. It holds up, right? So <laughs> same. Yeah. That's another thing they discussed. Like, have the movies held up? What would right. a great alternate alternate castings be? It's just, and the thing I like the most about it is some movie podcasts seem to exist just to justify the host getting a degree in filmmaking and never <laughs> making a movie. These are just people who love movies. So oh my god, I want to be on it. Yeah, me too. I totally want to be on it. So oh, that's the awesome. rewatchables. Okay, I'm totally gonna listen to that. Andrea, what you got? So um, I think I got this for Amy. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you know about this. So uh, you know, some of us are addicted to Amazon. Yes, and having things show up at our door. Yes. Um, I was in Lowe's with my husband the other day, and after about 10 minutes of looking for something in an aisle, I just looked at him and said, you know, it would have been at our house already if you ordered it <laughs> online. So Amazon is starting something new this week, I think, and it is called the Treasure Truck. Oh, I I've that, heard of that this. That just sounds and so dangerous. I, <laughs> I can't. So basically, it's a huge truck, and they're picking, I don't know, one or two items at a time. Um, and it could be tech. It could be food. It could be furniture. They've got pictures of, like, dream kitchen upgrades, food, backpacks, all kinds of things. And you sign up for it, and it sends you a text message. And if it comes to your city, and I think they've got 10 cities rolling out in the beginning, they tell you where the truck It's like the old food truck, right? Here's where the taco <laughs> truck is. Totally. They tell you where the truck is, and then you then go to the chaos. truck. So number one, Amy would have to get out of the house and go <laughs> get her I'll stuff. I'll have to think hard about that one. But... I don't know. It's kind of fun. I That's think that I fun. might try it. And I'm I'm interested in seeing the deals they put on and how much of a deal it is. Yeah, if it's a really like, good deal, I will leave my house. Couch. Yeah. And then maybe they'll give like food and snacks right. and, you know, yeah, make it fun. an event, like a truck party. Oh I like God. it. I'm going to try it. It's either going to be really good or like a yeah. so such a crowd control If nightmare. you're interested <laughs> in it at all, you have to go on the Amazon app and sign okay. up for the text notifications. Oh I will do that. God. Okay. All right. Um, I also have an Amazon <laughs> bite this week, but it's an article about um, a, the art, name of the article is this 10 year old's $2 million a year Amazon business is leaving competitors in the dust. Oh. It's an article on Fast Company about a 10 year old kid who built a custom button meaning like pin business um out of his like garage literally standing with the stamping machine and was like early in on the amazon customization marketplace mm -hmm. and has like come out ahead of all the chinese like factory not because he can turn that around and get it to you so quickly because he's in the u.s right and, he can turn, and it is Great. I mean, honestly, you read it and then you realize how much his dad did, which is always the <laughs> truth with all these things. His dad like developed the software that tapped into the API. That did but now he's going to have a customization platform on Target. He's going to be, I think it's Target and Walmart or one of them, like That's part amazing. of their new customization launch because all these companies now are realizing that customization is something that people will pay a lot more for. So I think Amazon's gunning for Zazzle, mm. obviously, and those companies, but they're now opening this massive customization. So this article is great about this kid and like how he started making these 
But mm, and even so. though the dad did do a lot, like the kid's the driving force. He's totally like, the driving force. They, yeah, they wouldn't have done it. Like they wouldn't have. It's a really great article if your kids are at all interested in reading about other kids and entrepreneurship. It's like a, just a fun article to share. I'm with them jealous too. of this kid. I know. <laughs> totally. He's really stamping out. Yeah, like fun. he still does the grunt work. He's yes, like, he it's doesn't. easier like, for me to just going, do Why it. would I pay someone to do it? I just, just sit here do and it do myself. It. I'm like, oh, dude, because you can't scale. That's why. Right. But anyway, <laughs> he'll learn that. But it's a great article. It's really, really good. Um, highly recommend it. That is our show for today. Thanks, ladies, for Thank making. Thanks, Andrea, for braving the Trump traffic to get here. And um, <laughs> we love links to everything we talked about today on the show at facebook.com slash parentingbites and parentingbites.com. You can find us on Twitter at hashtag parentingbites and on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, share, and uh, on play.it where you can find us and all the CBS podcasts. See, See you next week. week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.